numbers, okay? Now I got a Brentian Banner like, yeah, you better watch it. Hey, we're in church. It's a safe place. GBC kids, you guys are good to go. And someone that is not single, and we got to embarrass them, Sean and uh, Todd, if you'd stand and show off some new bling. Uh, Sean is recently engaged. How exciting. We celebrate with y'all. We love you and so excited to see what your future holds together. So we love you. Thank you uh, for sharing that with us today. And Seth, if you bring uh, some gain down in my mic, but I'm excited to preach with you this morning as we open up God's word. And uh, God has had me in the section of First Peter. And really what uh, today is going to be all about is how do we live for heaven when we look at a world that's going to hell? I think we see the culture around us. We know that one day, as we breathe our last breath, if the Lord tarries, if he doesn't tarry, and we experience uh, the end time scenarios and the end times uh, predicaments and, and what the word of God reveals, that we need to understand heaven and hell and where we fit in that picture. And so this morning, I believe that First Peter is such a, a timely letter, a timely word that uh, really speaks to the season that we see our world in, the season of a pandemic, the season in the middle of an election, the season of tension. And so I want us to look and I want us to find hope. I want us to find encouragement as we look to God, as we look to his word. I like to say that we're called to open the word of God together and learn, and we're called to open up our lives together in love. And so as we come together as the church, here in this moment, we're going to open up our, our, our word and we're going to learn and we're going to open up our lives together to love. Let's pray and we're going to jump right in. Father, we thank you so much for this time. Father, I take, pray you take this message that we see the urgency of this hour, that we first and foremost know that you're a loving father. And as you give this wisdom to Peter and then as we hand it down into this uh, our generation and into our season and into our time, God, that we would heed the wisdom, we would heed the word, and God, we would be prepared, that we would know our soul is prepared, that we would prepare our families, that we would prepare our relationships, God, that we want to receive the written word of God. It's supernatural. Holy Spirit, breathe on this time, breathe on this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. amen. Well, last week, we looked at how we're to live, not culture up, but kingdom down. That we're never called to elevate our culture above the kingdom of God. And so as we open up God's word, we're going to see right off the bat that Peter uh, addresses everyone. We're going to see where he, there's specific times he addresses those in Christian community, and then he addresses how we're to handle ourselves outside of Christian community. So if you go to our first slide, 1 Peter 3, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. 1 Peter 3, verse 8 says this. It says, finally, all of you, everybody say all of you, have unity of mind. And so right here, he's about to give us a punch list of really how we're to live in this season and in this time. How we're to live as though we're chosen and elect, but as though we're also exiles, as 1 Peter opens up with. So he says, this is what we're to do if we're going to have real peace, if we're going to have uh, real community, if we're going to really be able to live life in relationship and not have quarrels, not have uh, division, 
But this is what we have to apply into our lives. So he says, unity of mind. We're to have sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. And we're going to see Peter's going to pull from the words of Jesus in the Beatitudes. He says, don't repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. In other words, abuse for abuse. But on the contrary, bless. Everybody say bless. This is a sign of maturity is you know you've forgiven when you can bless someone that has hurt you. So it says bless for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing for whoever desires to love life and to see good days. Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. We see, and I read it to you as we transition from worship, but he takes a portion of scripture from Psalms 34. And I challenge you to, to get into Psalms 34 and read it and pray it. It's a beautiful uh, a prayer of, of having long life and seeking the goodness of God. And so Peter and, and what I want to do is really unpack this and get the heart of it. And that's a big way I love to preach and minister is when you not just blow through scripture, but let's dig into the heart of it, into the context of it, so that it can become living, active, and powerful in your life like Hebrews talks about. So first we see, and, and I want to take it just really line by line. First we see that in the culture of heaven, because we're not called to live in the culture of hell, and as you see in uh, the first line that heaven and hell start now. Heaven and hell don't start when we go and, and we die and where we choose to spend eternity. But the minute you say yes to Jesus, heaven starts for you. And the minute you're saying no, your destination, if you, if you haven't turned to Jesus, your destination is hell. And that's why we're to have urgency in this hour and in this time that we're uh, sojourning to heaven, that we are foreigners here in this land, and we are working our way to heaven. And in the meantime, we're, we are saved, we're being saved, and we will be saved. We're seeing the process of salvation play out in our lives. And so we see here that Peter is saying, if you're going to aim for heaven, and if you're going to live for heaven, this is the punch list. This is the practicality of the word of how you're to invite heaven into your family, how you're to have heaven in your church, how you're to have heaven in every part of your life. But what we're going to see in the context of what he's saying is, is it's not to try to get heaven out in the world where the furnace is roaring, where it's hot all the time, where there's always division and opinions and different points of thoughts and different points of view. He's saying that you have to start closest to home. One, you have to start with yourself, and then from yourself go to your spouse, and from your spouse go to your kids, your immediate family, and beyond. Now, that's the process that we're to bring heaven into our life. And so he's saying that first and foremost, we have to have a unity of mind. You know, I think of it this way is we look at, at the landscape of our culture that there's not unity. We look at the world out there, there's not unity. We look at churches, there's not unity. You see the, the thousands of different denominations. You see every church that takes a, a doctrinal issue and, and causes great disunity outside of that. That the enemy's playground is if he can get a church a, a walking in disunity, if he can get a family walking in disunity, then he can have a foothold in that family or in that community. And so he's saying that we have to have unity of mind. Now, when we see unity of mind, it can be, you can begin to think, well, how in the world is that going to happen? Or how, how can we achieve this unity of mind? 
I like to think of it this way is there are certain things, especially in the context of church, that we never disagree on. One, it's almost as though we have a closed hand and we never open it. Things like Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. There's no other way to God the Father except through Jesus. We uh, close our hands on things of that Jesus forgives sins and only Jesus forgives sins. Uh, we close our hand on things of, of what the word of God says is wickedness and what he says is righteousness. That we don't play with that. We don't try to, to bring it down and open our hands that there could be a different interpretation. But we take the word of God for what it says. We stay biblically correct and we live our lives based off not the, on the word, not try to fit our lives and change the word. And so there's closed hand things. Then there's open hand things. Open hand things are the style of worship you like, right? Things where we can be picky and petty. But many times we take things where we're picky and petty and the, we allow the enemy to bring division over things that really we should be flexible with each other and have unity with each other. But we have to stay close-handed on things that won't change. But the things over here that are open-handed, don't let it cause division in your family. Don't let it cause division in the house of God. Amen. That we have to have flexibility and compromise that the at the end of the day that God's all about a win-win situation where the enemy is always going to set up the scenario as a win and a lose but if we can get unity of mind there is a way that is win-win but it takes a lot of flexibility it takes a lot of humility and it takes willing to admit you're wrong willing to admit I want to learn willing to admit I'm going to hear your side of the story having conversation not debate and so we have to have unity of mind. Number two, he says that we have to have sympathy. I think we could say this, that there's a lack of civility in our world because there's a lack of sympathy. We don't take time to listen like we should. We don't take time to maybe find someone with a different opinion and ask them out to coffee and hear their heart, maybe why they think that way or why they were raised that way or get a more context of why they're very forthcoming in a different point of view than maybe you or I have. Sympathy is simply this. It's, it's seeking to understand someone else's life because you genuinely want to help. When we choose to walk in sympathy, we say, I care about you enough and I want to help you. So I want to invest my time, my energy into getting to know you so that we can get on the same page or that we can have sympathy and prayerfully get to this unity of mind. And so again, we see that there's a lack of civility in the world because there's simply a lack of sympathy. Sympathy isn't this. It's, it's not saying, here's my opinion or here's my, my train of thought, so I'm going to turn it into a hammer and keep pounding you and banging you until you conform. See, sympathy and having a heart of sympathy isn't choosing to be right all the time because you can choose to be right and lose the relationship. My bend is more I'd rather be in relationship than prove to you I'm right, but let's work this out. And, and understand that there's going to be a lot of different angles to this so that we can achieve unity of mind and have sympathy with one another. Number three is this, we see brotherly love. And he's saying that in this word, to have a brotherly love, that it's, it's caring for someone, not using someone, that we genuinely want to care. You know, I think about growing up in a home with two brothers, that it's easy to have conflict, but the thing that I, I'm thankful for and in, in, in seeing this brotherly love specifically of how it's used and seeing how uh, growing up in the church and there's time, times of conflict is what I've always had in my heart and what I've always 
try to achieve in my life, and I pray you do too, is that my commitment to, to relationship with you is greater than a conflict. And I think so many times now when there's a conflict, something we don't agree, we cancel it, we shut it down, we walk away from it, and there's no commitment to keep walking it out, to keep talking, to keep working toward brotherly love. And so be committed in your relationships. Be committed to the person sitting next to you that might come from a different walk of life and might have a different opinion. Take time to listen. Take time to talk. Take time to value and be committed in your relationships. I think about this too is it's so easy to, to, to see division uh, come in. And when we see division and we have to allow the Holy Spirit to work on our heart to love again, to care again, is that there's always a difference between loving someone and liking someone, right? That many times we think, if I don't like them, then I can't love them. But love is a higher call than liking someone. There's times Bree doesn't like me, but I know she still loves me, right? I know deep down she loves me, but maybe we're disagreeing. And yes, we disagree. Anybody married, right? Do you disagree? Bree disagrees the most, so be sure to pray for her, please. But she's going to need it. But we need to understand that, that love is different than liking someone. That when I'm in a, a conflict uh, with Bree or disagreeing or something, my commitment is greater than that conflict. I'm going to choose to love her. I might not like it in the moment, but my love should bring up that, that where that conflict is and remind me of the commitment I am, I'm in with her. And I know if I love her in the moment of disagreement or she loves, chooses to love me in disagreement, then we can get through the conflict and get back to a good place and get back to a unity of mind, having sympathy of brotherly love. And you can really see this, this punch list that Peter gives us of how they play into one another. And again, I pray that this isn't interrupting your nap, a message like this, but uh, that you really take it and you really plug it into your life. And you really see it begin to change because I guarantee you the word of God says this is what it takes. If you apply it, it will work in your relationships and it will work in your life. And honestly, where we see hell, the fringes of hell come up and try to burn is usually in our relationships. And so we need to be emotionally healthy. We need to be mentally healthy. What did we say last week? We got to be mindful, not mindless. That if we can apply what Peter is saying, then we can have real bona fide unity in our communities, in our churches, and in our families. But we have to do the hard work of fleshing this out and working this out. And so again, we see this. Number four is to have a tender heart. We know that the heart is the seat, sum, and center of our lives. Scripture speaks of the heart over 900 times. It says to guard your heart. It says out of the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I think we always need to be reminded we have to guard our heart that the eye is the gateway, but the heart is what gets us to respond. The heart is what gets us to sympathize. The heart is what gets us really, uh, our emotions are summed up in that place. And we have to make sure that it's healthy and we have to make sure that we have a tender heart. Let me ask you this, what's the opposite of a tender heart? A bitter heart. That the enemy would love to get you to have a bitter heart because if it's not tender, you're not gonna have brotherly love. You're not gonna have unity of mind. You're not going to be in a place that you can truly love. And what it says to, and, and I've seen it, and I've talked with people, and you've talked with people, and so in moments when you've had a, a, a broken heart or a bitter heart, is when there's a moment to seek reconciliation, if there's a moment to forgive, your heart 
is hardened. So when you see that moment, you're like, I'm not going to take it. I'm not ready. I'm not going to do it. I don't like them. But see, love has to come into the equation that you might not like them, but if you love them, especially if it's those that are closest to you, your family, your immediate family, your church family, that love needs to be the response that I want to seek a unity of mind. I know my calling is brotherly love. I know my calling is tenderness, that this is how God calls us to walk. That's why when people say being a Christian is easy, it is the farthest thing from it because our standard is way higher than what the world is. The world lives in the gutter. We're called to live way up here. And many times I catch myself here, I catch myself here, but I'm always striving and trying to pursue humility, trying to pursue forgiveness, that I, I continually make progress to live up here in my relationships, to live up here as your pastor, that the enemy wants to get you to constantly beat you down so that you don't have healthy relationships and that the culture of hell can overtake you and keep heaven out of your life. This is what he does, and this is how he works. Number five is this, a humble mind. He says this, I might not agree with you, but I'm willing to listen and learn. Simply what it says when you have a humble mind, that we're going to show respect. And when Jesus says to turn the other cheek, he's saying that you're, you're not to respond, but he's, he's talking about in how you respond. Because that's where our witness is protected. When someone comes against you and gets in your face and gives you a piece of their mind, everything within you wants to respond out of your flesh. But when Jesus says to turn the other cheek, we're going to see in a minute that he says you're to, to turn in gentleness. You're to turn in the character and nature of who he is. Think about Jesus on the cross. There's uh, two murderers beside him. He's being persecuted. He's literally hanging on a cross. What is he doing? He's doing ministry and he's forgiving in the middle of his worst pain. So Jesus models to us of how this response we're to have, how we're, we're to, to guard our responses on social media. I'm telling you, it's a high call, but that is what we are to strive for in guarding our hearts, keeping them tender and not responding in our relationships to a bitter heart and with a bitter heart. Six, he says that we're to endure evil deeds and abusive words. I just want to stop. I don't even want to preach this because the place to get to this is, is not easy. That how are we to essentially to keep a peace? How are we to absorb? Parents, I think you know this well. Your kids come and say something ugly, and instead of responding in anger, you just absorb it. And see, I think many times, is especially as men, you hit me, I'm going to hit you back, and I'm going to hit you harder. And so learning to absorb in the right setting and in the right moment can be a sign of maturity that I'm not going to allow how they're coming at me to get me to hit back and hit back harder. And so he's saying that there's this, this place of, of enduring evil and abusive or reviling words that we're to respond to God ultimately, not to them. And if we're struggling to respond to them, then we need to go to him so that we can have the right heart to respond to them. Number seven is to do good and to bless others. And so we see here that not only does he give us this punch list, but he pulls from this, the, the Old Testament. He pulls from the Psalms. And he really gives us five promises that if we choose to get in the fight, to war against the culture of hell, then these are promises of heaven that are going to come into your life. What did we read? If you see in the scripture, it says... Um, 
number one, that he's going to help us love life. That there can be a peace and an enjoyment. It might not be out there, but your peace and your joy can be in here and in your immediate family, in your church family. That it's not a bad thing to say, I want to enjoy my life. Can we say amen to that? That you can have a peaceful and joyful life. And he gives us, if we walk in these things, then you can guard that. And he says, you can love life. You can enjoy life. And number two, he also says that you can actually see good days. Not a good day here and there, but you can actually have good days in your life. And so when I see the, the punch list of, okay, if I walk in, in obedience to what he's saying, and this is the promise, then it should fuel us that this is his blueprint to experience the fullness of what he has for you and I in this life. That this should be the motivation because it's going to be hard to have a tender heart. It's going to be hard to walk in sympathy. But when you see the other side of what your life could look like, that's the fuel to apply it to your life. And many times we see the condition of our relationships and we wonder why. When I'm in those places, I look back and I always reflect on myself that what can I do to raise the standard in my life, to love better, to live better, that be reflective and then look upon the situation. So he's saying, helps you love life, to see good days. Third, he says that you can actually enjoy peace. Our world is at a record low of peace in their life. Our world needs peace, and they need to see Christians responding from everything in our culture to responding in our families, that they should see a different approach, that they should see an inner peace that is deep within you. And see, the world is, is so addicted right now. The world is locked in. We see just a lack of peace in trying to search and find peace. And the amazing thing is, is that the world is so searching and so looking that there's such a moment for the church to rise up and give the solution of peace, to have a, a good day, to love life, that if we can take this moment, we can really reach and press in and see the presence of God, see that revival come about by us being the church and following what was already given to us. And again, in the context and in this day, there was great persecution. It was a pagan society that they had to learn to be exiles in a world that was completely against what we just read. So if they can do it, we can do it. And so be encouraged this morning. Number four is we see in this passage of scripture that their prayers were answered. And I think about it this way. Anybody tried in the beginning of COVID to get customer service? You couldn't go into any bank branch. You couldn't go into any dealership. That customer service was awful, right? And I think many times, and I was, during that time I was thinking about that we feel when we pray, we're on the phone for two hours and then the call just ends and we never even get the help that we need. I think we can approach that customer service experience to our prayer life with God. That we think, well, I spend all this time in prayer, but I never actually see the results of my prayer. He's saying here in this section of scripture that if you'll live this thing out, that you can actually have assurance that your prayers are answered. And God loves us. He has a father's heart. He wants to answer your prayers. But walk the fullness of it out and get the fullest picture of what he says. And that's what we see here. And number five, this should give us great hope. Vengeance is his, says the Lord. He says that he's going to deal with our evildoers. He's going to deal with the evil in our life. He's going to deal with the foolishness and the folly yeah. that's around us. That's why we have to keep a higher standard, and it's kingdom down, not culture up. Yeah. This is what's going to give us peace 
in the middle of a, of, of a hyper-political season. This is what's going to give us peace when we see pain and pandemic all around us. That we have to, to as, as Peter said last week, we have to sober up and we've got to be mindful. Number two is this. As we move on in our passage of scripture, Peter begins to talk about that your worst misery can be your best ministry. Somebody say amen to that. That he has a way of taking our worst misery and turning it into our best ministry. You know, some of the greatest parents you see didn't have a father figure or a mother in their life. They become the greatest parents because they want to do the exact opposite of what was done to them. There's great ministry. the hope you have so he's saying be prepared and here's where he says how are you to do it even when the other party isn't doing it God's way he says you're to do it in gentleness and respect that this is our response it says for it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil I like this a church father said where the battle rages, there the loyalty of the soldier is proved. When the battle rages, there the loyalty of the soldier is proved. We're in the battle. This isn't boot camp. This isn't a time to, to figure out how to get things ready and prepared. That the battle is here. And everyone's tough in boot camp. Everyone's tough in church. But it's when we go out there is when your loyalty and your allegiance is tested. Because the minute you walk out here from Monday to Sunday, you are going to experience persecution think about it start say if you were to open your bible start putting scripture on what the bible says about sex on your facebook and look at the response of where god holds the standard of sex where god holds the standard of things like abortion of homosexuality hot topic issues and you just post scripture on it watch the hate and the and and the hurt that begins coming into your feed 
I'm telling you, we live in a culture that is not biblically sound anymore and, it, and is completely changed and it's completely turned to real biblical truth. That we're not called to water it down and when you choose not to water it down, it says that the message, hear this, the message is gonna be offensive but the messenger is not supposed to be. That the message will offend and just have a bite to it but how we're supposed to communicate it is to do it with what he said in gentleness and respect. And that takes time, that takes prayer, that takes healing, that takes getting in the presence of God so that you can swallow hard truth, live it yourself, and then you can give it to the world around you, but in gentleness and respect. Because it's always easy just to want to hit someone over the head, to have no love behind it. But it takes work and it takes heart to give the word of God with gentleness and with respect. Scripture also says in Timothy to endure hardship as a good soldier. That we're called again to be soldiers on the front line and we are to endure hardship for the sake of our families being saved, for the sake of our churches encountering the presence of God. That don't shrink back when hardship comes, but lean in because that's the time when your witness can shine. Winston Churchill said this about wanting to constantly appease. And the spirit of the age is just to please people to not really ever take a stand. Churchill said this, he said, an appeaser is one who feeds a crocodile hoping it will eat him last. <laughs> so it's saying you think you're getting away with something, but you're only uh, delaying the inevitable when you choose to appease and please. So be upfront, stand in your faith, do it in gentleness and in respect. And picture a, the, a vice grip that there's that tension on both sides, that the world is wanting you to conform, but the word of God through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit is wanting you to conform. And in that tension, the best ministry can take place. But choose the word, not the world. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And I want to end with this, and I want to invite the band up. As we see, lastly, that Christianity is all about Christ. Plain and simple, but full of truth. That we need to be reminded it's not about us, it's not about me. It is ultimately all about him. And that's where he wants to get our attention and where he wants to get our focus. Look what it says. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which we went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah. I always find it interesting when we see um, in times theology, when we see Revelation, the days of Noah is always mentioned. And if we want to look at what the world will be like when Jesus comes, refer back to the days of Noah. That's what Peter is doing here. He says that as though in the days of Noah, talking about the patience, that when the word of God came to Noah and then when the water actually showed up, it was 120 years. Think about what happened in the middle of that 120 years. It says that Noah was preaching repentance, and for 120 years as he preached repentance, nobody came except his family, and he was labeled crazy and was mocked consistently. That was, in, that was for 120 years. And so when you look at the Bible, it's no stranger to persecution. It's no stranger to being labeled weird or being labeled crazy when you stand for the word of God. So he's saying, look at the days of Noah. There's a powerful passage of scripture in Noah. And it says this, it says, but God remember Noah and his family. And I believe when in this hour, in the urgency of the hour, if we can take heed to scripture, he will remember you and your family. 
and men, fathers, husbands, wives, we're called to lead our families to salvation. We're called to get our families in the presence of God. And so let us take Noah's heed when everyone else behind him wouldn't come, wouldn't prepare, wouldn't uh, do what was necessary. Let us be like Noah and his family that stood for righteousness when nobody else did. Let us take the high call of love when no one else is in the culture. And so he's saying, remember the days of Noah and look at the patience of God. And when we sing that song, Lord, send revival, there's a line that says, flood every heart with mercy, that this is the hour of mercy. This is the hour where God's, the, the door of the ark is open. Are you gonna go in? Because just as the rain came, so will the fire and the judgment come. Scripture's clear on that. But what are you doing to make sure you're building an ark? What are you doing to make sure that you're gonna be able to get on the ark? Because when the rain comes, it's too late. Think about the story of Noah, what happened? That the door of the ark shut, the rain and the floods began to come, and the Bible records that there was literally pounding on the door of people trying to get in, but it was too late. That we know that there is a heaven and that there is a hell. And God gives us this life to choose mercy, to choose grace, to choose to walk the path of righteousness. It is not a broad way, it is a narrow way. We're gonna choose the right gate this morning. We're gonna choose the gate of salvation, the, the gate of grace and the gate of mercy. Look what it says, it says, he compares these waters that began to come. He says, it's like baptism, that it saves you, not as a removal of the dirt from the body, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. We need to be focused on the message and we need to be focused on the mission. And if you stand to your feet, I want us to worship, and the challenge this morning is that we get our eyes on the mission, that we get focused, that we sober our minds, that we see that time is short, that we take the urgency to reach our families, to lead our families, that we start closest to home, and then we work our way out. Hear this this morning, that this is our mission and what we need to remind and what's closed-handed is that Jesus suffered for our sins. Jesus is righteous. Everyone else is unrighteous. That's why we need a righteous Savior. Jesus Christ is God who became a man to bring men to God. Jesus Christ's body died on the cross looking defeated, but ultimately his spirit endured the cross in victory, not as a victim. Jesus Christ rose from the death to conquer hell and an open heaven. Jesus rules over everyone and everything right now from his heavenly throne. Amen. Baptism is how we make this private faith public in Jesus. So this is what we see as he's saying, this is the mission that we have to be reminded of. So you, if you lift your hands, I want to pray for you. Then I want us to sing and I want us to ask the Holy Spirit to come and work on our heart, to put a tender heart in us. Father, we thank